You're listening to the Moments of Clarity podcast by Six Seconds Europe. I think, I think from like got to do with my story, three moments of clarity say for me would have to be the day I was told I was terminal and the day I organized my funeral and the day I stood outside the forecourts. There, there are definitely three moments um, for me. The 5th of November was the day I was diagnosed. Uh, 5th of November 2020 was my third and final diagnosis that I've had. And then the 6th of November was actually the day I organised my funeral. And then the four courts, that was February then 2021, which feels like 10 years ago and it hasn't even been a year. <laughs> you just heard the voice of our very special guest, Lindsay Bennett, who was diagnosed with terminal cervical cancer exactly a year ago. Last November, the doctors told Lindsay she had just six to eight months to live. Lindsay then had to not only deal with that life-changing news, but also deal with the impending high court case against the HSC and a number of private testing laboratories in Ireland and the USA over the alleged misinterpretation of her cervical smear tests over a 10-year period. Every week, I ask my guests for three moments of clarity that contributed to a change in the course of their life journey. Lindsay has had many moments over the last year that would break many people. But what shines through this uplifting interview is Lindsay's relentless positivity, gratitude, emotional intelligence and sheer will to not only live but enjoy her remaining time with her family and friends. Lindsay has been an inspiration to many people in Ireland who have been following her journey and you can see why in this interview now. So Lindsay could you let us know what your first moment of clarity is? Yeah so my first moment of clarity that I has had has to have been when I was sitting across from the doctors on 5th November um, and my auntie was beside me and they turned around to me and they're like you know really sorry but you know your cancer is back it's spread you know your terminal the the diagnosis now is just not to cure you it is just to try and keep you here for as long as you you can which unfortunately wasn't going to be very long (laughs) um and yeah for me I it was definitely a moment of clarity where I was like but I don't want to die (laughs) and I was like but I want to live and I thought okay, you were going to have to pull your socks up and you were going to have to actually act like that you were just endlessly grateful to be alive and that dying is just not an option. And that is the mode that I went into. And I knew for myself that if I took the path that they were offering me, which I am grateful for that they that they offered me because that is the best thing in their opinions that they had to offer to try and um you know help extend my life and stuff even if for me it just wasn't going to give me the quality that I wanted also wasn't going to give me the quantity but you know they they gave me the best that they could and I knew waking up even the next day that that wasn't it definitely wasn't um an option for me um I I know I'd only known 45 minutes and another doctor tried to push a piece of paper in front of me and to sign 45 minutes later that it was okay I would do this double dose 
of the chemo and like I sat there looking at the side effects and it was like you know hair loss anemia bleeding sores in my mouth sores in my throat skin damage lung damage kidney damage and then there was a thing at the end kind of wave of that you understood that doing this actually could kill you even with just one dose and I was like no 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 like this is not a decision to be rushed into and that was definitely a moment of clarity for me that I was like no I'm not wanting to die <laughs> like I want to live and I knew that as kind and good and you know the best that they were trying for me that if I went with their option I had a pretty definite answer of how things were going to go I was going to be incredibly ill I was going to have no quality of life and I was more than likely going to spend a lot of time in hospital and I also was taking that risk that it could kill me and I had had the experience and that's one of the reasons I'm also really grateful that I had even though I didn't want to had tried a light dose of chemo well <laughs> they say it's light um I tried it in 2018 it was a cause and it absolutely nearly ruined me and they had to cancel it and my body wasn't able for it and so I was like thank goodness that I had actually had that taster because with the fear and the thoughts of not wanting to die and stuff had I not have had that experience in 2018 of knowing how ill you can actually be in life um, by putting like that type of medicine into your body it's it's just unimaginable and it's it's something that I could never ever like let myself go through again or let anyone who loves me watch me go through that again and I think because when I did it in 2018 and it had been cancelled um I had actually been staying in the lodge so not everybody was seeing the full extent of the actual hell I was in um apart from my one of my best well she's my best friend since I was like six she came up and I, I remember I was sitting there crying and I was like I don't I, I don't know my name I don't know my name and I was like I can't do this and I remember turning around and saying to her I'd rather die and I knew that I, I never wanted to go back to that moment again. And the, the thing is, the side effects of that one weren't technically supposed to be half as bad as the ones that was being offered to me. So definitely a moment of clarity for me or my first one on this journey that I, I've started in the last year is that I don't want to die. And I have to work out my own path of how not to do that, <laughs> how to stay alive. You're unbelievably brave. So you're in that situation and there, so you, you get the news, but then straight away, it's about doing the chemo, you know, the conversation move, and, and to be able to process the information and also process, you know, whether you should be doing the chemo or not. Or, I mean, that's takes so much energy, doesn't it? Oh, do you know what was even worse? That was so soul destroying was when you had people begging you to do it. And you're like, but it's gonna kill me. I know. Um, 
sorry I can't even oh. believe I'm getting so emotional but even just going yeah. back to that moment and that feeling um and then thinking that like you're being reckless and them not realizing that like you have at that stage like nearly four years of experience of um hospital cancer life um and going through everything that you could possibly go through and more on this kind of journey you know that I'd even gone through like having my womb and everything removed and not being able to have children anymore I had gone through being so incredibly ill and it was like for me to turn around and be like I don't want to do it was most certainly not a decision that was made lightly but when you're trying to politely decline and be like but I physically have the experience and I mentally have the experience you know and emotionally I have the experience even though I know like especially all the nurses and stuff like they emotionally probably go through a lot of the feelings and stuff as well and they see it head on a lot of the time as well and like when I say stuff like this I am not telling people don't touch this and don't do that no I am only saying what my body and what my gut tells me about me not about anyone else I mean there is people out there who are still alive and they went down the route of all their chemos and stuff like that and oh thank goodness it's given them the the results that they have needed and wanted and stuff so um, I don't want anyone to ever think that I'm here bad mountain and saying to never touch anything like that and do you see the Vicky feelings going on the late late show tonight did you see that you know and she she stopped her chemo a few weeks she did and you know what um my best friend was chatting to me she goes Lindsay it was just like listening to you of why you wouldn't do it looking for your quality over quantity um and you know what I'm I'm really happy for her that she was able to come to that decision after only doing one and that she is just ready to enjoy as much time as she has as and you know what none of us know the outcome of of anything no none of us know when we wake up in the morning like whether it's our last day or not in any circumstances so I am just so happy for her that she's going to enjoy and not be that level of ill and so your your second moment of clarity then was was exactly one year ago am I right in saying that it was it was the, oh. Yeah, so the 5th of November, um, that's I was celebrating my one, he- one year still here yeah. there, uh, two Fridays ago. And I saw that you uh, did a so little video and it was gorgeous. Yeah, because yeah, six, 68 months was what was written down um, on the piece of paper and that possibility of 12 months um, depending on how I'd respond to chemotherapy but that they and it's in black and white but that that was a wide figure so to be here 12 months and two weeks later (laughs) and to be the happiest and healthiest that I've been in five years nearly because in January it's five years since this journey started and 
yeah, it's just amazing to feel the best I've ever felt. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. There's still like moments of madness and stuff like that. But this is honestly the best and the longest that I've generally stayed out of hospital in years. Like I saw it was in the examiner, I think this week or so one of the papers, like a headline saying this time last year, you were planning your funeral and what a mad headline. Yeah, because the day after the day after I found out. So the 6th of November, I planned everything. I'd started making goodbye videos and I organized my whole funeral from start to finish. um, And I'd like organized the hymns, the poems, the speeches, the readings, like everything that I that I want done and the videos that I, I want played and, you know, just to remind people that like I actually had had such a fantastic life and how grateful I am for everyone who helped me in every little way and, you know, not to, not to feel sad for me and, you know, to be there for the girls and, all that stuff and it was honestly probably one of my most favorite moments of clarity in life that I've had and the most peaceful moment I've ever had I cannot recommend enough to anyone to organize their funeral like we are all going to die (laughs) and I actually think it's insane that we don't do it. Um, like I have it all laid so beautifully that I was able to make peace with that. And I said, I've took back all my power around dying. It was so peaceful. And I completely accepted death in those moments. And it was a moment of clarity that I'm not scared to die. I may not want to die, but I'm not scared of dying because I understand that we all have to, you know, die. We all have to die. And so I thought, why why fear it? My only thing around death is having to say goodbye to the girls and not being here to support them in their futures. But I'm not scared of dying. I have accepted death and I have took back my power and I, in my moment of when I've passed, have left what I feel would be one of the most beautiful funerals and peaceful funerals and funny funerals that anyone will ever attend and they will feel so loved. And that is all I could ever hope for when I have no power after the day that I die to organise anything. I just, I'm so at peace with it because I've this done. And that was my moment of clarity that, okay, you're not scared of dying now. So start living. And that's what I did. And that's what I'm doing. Okay. And at the minute, um, because I've been listening to so many audiobooks and stuff like that. Um, but I was listening to one about how someone had laughed themselves into remission and you know they put all these positive um endorphins and stuff into their body and I'd learned that when you smile your body doesn't know whether it's a fake smile or a real smile but when you smile the endorphins still go into your body and are created whether it's fake or real 
And so Haley, I was telling her about this and I said, oh, we're going to have to, you know, do lots of fun things or whatever and we have to keep Mammy smiling. And at the minute now, she'll just go out of nowhere, she'll go, Mammy, and I'll go, what? And she'll go, smile. And I'm like, oh, and I'm smiling all the time. And she's just constantly doing this all the time. And I'm like, I love the fact that that is now sticking with her and that no matter down the road, whoever she's looking at, she can, even if it's herself or that, she can just go, right, smile and try and bring positivity into her life in such a simple way. And she's like, she can even be like, oh, I remember when I used to always say that to mommy to help her. Like, you know, I just, I love it. Um, so I do. And it's, it's amazing the things as kids that we hold on to and that we remember. So like last year, they told you you're like eight months. And I saw along you, you said you choose, you chose the path of hope. And I think that's where you shine through. Like you're so, po- you're such a positive person, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> unless I'm cross. <laughs> but uh, you see, like another thing that like just so amazingly happened to me was the fact that I was given this book um, about gratitude when I was um, lying in bed trying to recover for six weeks from my hysterectomy in my front sitting room in our old house. And it just completely changed my mindset. Now, I think I've always had a bit of a, ah, sure, it'll be grand, it's not great, <laughs> kind of attitude anyway. Um, I always say that if you see me panicking, you know it's time to panic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've learned, like, even through the gratitude and stuff like that, to start being slightly less reactive as well. Um, and, yeah, I, I've learned to, to be a lot more even calm more than positive um because i think when you say someone's positive it's actually such a huge mixture of emotions rather than just being upbeat i mean like really it's just being calm it's having initiative um it's you know being ready to laugh it's being sympathetic it's it's so many things that you actually need to have to put together to actually be positive it's not just like right that's it I'm just happy it's it's not um and so that's why sometimes when people use the word positive or positivity I'm like it's actually so much more than that and that's sometimes when you're feeling miserable and someone's like ah you know you just got to be positive I'm like no 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 no. like it's not just put on a smile it's it's building blocks of so many other things and that's exactly so emotional intelligence is being aware of your emotions and other people's emotions and being able to control them and that's exactly what you're describing so it's being aware of emotions whether they're good or bad and then being able to control them and that's what I've heard you saying that you know, you can have bad days or you can feel lonely and accept those days or it's okay to feel bad about things. It isn't. So you're right. Positivity doesn't mean being positive all the time. It's about being aware of it. And that's what I think you're very good at. It's having strength to weather the storm and still being willing to come out the other side and still wanting to live. Um, still wanting to be a nice person of society, wanting to treat the people around you 
good, you know, um, and not just being miserable all the time. Um, because do you know what, like the battles you have, everybody has battles as well, you know, um, not feeling sorry for yourself, but as well, letting yourself take on the emotions that you are feeling. Um, yeah, someone was telling me the other day that the only emotions you should really deal with is gratitude, forgiveness and love. And I was just like, really? And they were like, yeah. So f- instead of anger, you should work on forgiveness. And like, the thing is, the forgiveness isn't to be like, well, that person really hurt me. So I just forgive them and they're great and they're whatever. It's like, no, being like, okay, I'm going to forgive them, but I may have to put them out of my life. I may have to step back. And so it's just like, it's not forgiveness and being a pushover. It's forgiveness and doing, taking steps in your situation and to help you forgive and then protect yourself from whatever has happened. It's not necessarily being like, all right, it's okay. Look, forget about it. We're sound, you know, but just not being like angry and having those feelings and emotion built up inside you and feeling just so horrible because the thing is the only person who can feel the feelings that you're feeling is you so the person that you're fighting with is you um like if you're festering away and not actually having a confrontation and being in front of that person it's you when that person is around that is having to deal with all that stuff and I was like that's actually really interesting so I was like right love gratitude and forgiveness I was like I'm going to try work with them you know and as you all say Rome wasn't built in a day but it definitely is making me go oh yeah it's definitely learning to change your ways and not reacting the way that we're used to reacting um and that's why I'd love to set up like a women's circle I'd love to set up like a cancer group as well separate to that in Longford and just sit down and talk with people um and hear what they've got to say and can I ask you another quote which I loved was your an Audrey Hepburn one and did you have that like since you were young like the crazy thing is like I remember getting it I don't know if you know Heaton's draw yep. goes down now but <laughs> Heaton's homeware and I think I must have bought it when I first possibly started renting so it could be 14 15 years ago and I got it in Heaton's I think it was like four or five euro and that is hung on my wall till we moved house there um in May and that is hung on my wall and I've always looked up at it on the wall and it's only now since it's been taken down and I've gone on this journey that I actually realised that I've had those words drilled into my head for nearly probably 15 years looking up on that wall and not understanding how important it actually was. And I do think that that is one of the reasons that my subconscious believes in the impossible. Like... It is like nothing in life is impossible. Even the words it's themselves spell I'm possible. And I was like, that is in, that is just crazy. Like impossible is actually I'm possible. Like it's amazing. And yeah, I don't know. It's definitely part of my little cheeky side where I'm just like, 
Actually, you never know. And uh, yeah, I, I've been so fortunate that it's, it's worked so far. <laughs> I know. So can we go on to your next one then? The, um, your, your, the third moment of clarity, which is uh, last it's this year, actually. February this year, isn't it? Yeah, Dublin. February this year. Um, standing outside the four courts and having the relief of knowing all those hours and hours of what felt like interrogations, even though in fairness, the people that were, I don't know, interviewing me, questioning me, were, were very nice to me. So they were, but I mean, there was one lady I had to sit with for five hours trying to answer questions. And, you know, they tried to go back to from as far on as you can remember from the day you were born. Um, like everything that you remember. And do you know what? One of the hardest things even with that is the fact that when your mammy isn't here to even help you remember all the different things that have gone wrong. But anyway, um, and then you're brought up to when all this crazy started and, you know, happened to remember and like live through it all again. And the thing is, like, I, I had so many, um, so many different people interview me and it's the same questions over and over and over again. So I remember standing outside the court and I was given my statement, which is, who after bringing a bit of emotion up for me there again. Um, and I remember reading it out and I remember thinking, I finally can fight one fight. And my most important one um is left now to really stay alive what I wanted to do my clarity that I had in the fifth my clarity that I had on the sixth and I said it's now February and I was like I had clarity that I could finally start trying to heal start trying to do the impossible and make it possible um um my a moment of realising as well that day of how many people um, were behind me, were watching my story, were annoyed for me um, and were so willing to put the intentions out into the world for me to do so well. And I just had such a moment of clarity that I finally could really put all my focus into healing and that I I had such a good feeling that Mexico was honestly going to be one of the best decisions of my life um, and one of the best decisions on this journey that I was going to make and I've been so fortunate and it's just so insane to think that so many other Irish people have gone there since um and they'd never had an Irish person there before. So where was it? So um, when was that? So so the case was the end of January. And when did you go to Mexico? Then? Yeah, so the case actually got um, delayed. But I was Wednesday, I think it was in the four courts. Friday on the Late Late Show. Um, Monday I was on Ireland AM and I did like so many radio interviews and stuff in between that, even straight after the court and stuff like that. 
And then on the Tuesday, it was like crazy o'clock in the morning, like one or two o'clock in the morning, I was gone on the plane to Mexico. And, you know, just uh, we must mention Gillian, who is your solicitor, Gillian uh, O'Mahony. And that's how this interview came. Right? She's friends of mine for, in Clonmel. And uh, like even do you know what? Like she stood outside beside me on the steps of the court. Mm. And I will forever be so grateful to have met such a wonderful human being who is so professional, but so humane. And, you know, obviously it's her job, but she honestly made me feel like she really cared as well and that she honestly just wanted the best for me. And my goodness, did she work so hard for that? Like, and that's another little bit, bit of guilt that I feel that there's so many people waiting years to get their court, their cases and stuff done. And Gillian just blew it out of the water with the results and with getting this done. I remember contacting her on the 5th of November and I was like, I'm terminal. I was like, I'm terminal. And she was like, leave it with me. And she just, she just, oh, was amazing. Um, And I will forever be so grateful for her and how we cross paths because just there's not enough gratitude in the world um, for the blinder that she played and the team that she got together and I mean they had years of notes and stuff to go through and I, I had been in the hospital nearly every week or sorry uh, once a week every month for all those years <laughs> um so there was a lot of history and stuff to go through and yeah they made it happen she's and, just amazing yeah and w- so it, i didn't realize that again it during covid time seems to like it's like drug dog years so it was literally the week after that you went to mexico is that right is that what we're saying yeah it was it was just it was it was like five or six days yeah and I would have been gone sooner only the other side asked for the case to be adjourned and the judge gave them I think it was an extra week or so an extra week actually other than that I would have been gone on the plane even sooner I mean the only reason I wasn't in Mexico and um, in nearly November or December was because I had to wait to do this trial and that's why it was such a moment of clarity again standing on that force that four court steps was because I knew I finally had done the hard part of taking on labs and like having to answer questions and having to go over everything and I think I realized as well in that moment I was so grateful that I wouldn't have to be dissected really again of going through everything if I never mentioned my story again and everything I'd gone through which I have done a lot of interviews and a lot of things but it's different and you know you it's the way you look at life so you could easily have uh, focused on you know uh, the fact they gave you an apology but didn't admit liability and you could you could you know you could focus on that but you didn't you you just I love the way you're you're said that's over now I'm going to be able to focus on my life and one thing 
alive. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, I'm after saying fight there. And I need to stop that. And I have been actually been very good. Um, but I was like that listen to one of my audiobooks and it was saying that to stop saying that you're fighting to stay alive and say that you're focusing on living because if you tell your body that you're in a fight like that like I was saying earlier you're in going putting yourself in that fight or flight mode and so um it's now that I'm I'm focusing on I'm enjoying living and enjoying life and living life instead of fighting for life I'm living life exactly. um, but it was it was definitely a moment of clarity that time to realize that my healing was about to begin and it was about to start and you know I came home from Mexico and within a couple of months I had a reduction of a centimeter and a half in one of my tumors and they've remained stable so they have ever since I've now started the Pembro which you know, I'm I'm wondering whether to take a break from or not. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know if it is really benefiting me at the moment, whether I'm playing cards too fast, whether I should wait and keep that for again. And, you know, because obviously that's a bit of toxic medication that I'm putting into my body, that my body's having to, like, you know, try and rebalance itself when it is getting a dose of that you know um so yeah I've loads of of things to clarify (laughs) at at the moment um but I didn't do the treatment on Wednesday um, and I'm such an amazing consultant that, that I've changed to now who's just you know we just really fit each other um at the minute and she's very open to you know listening and you know letting me decide she's like you you know you do seem to know yourself and stuff and she was just so willing to sit and chat and and um, I think she's definitely an amazing new piece of my of my puzzle that I that I have that I'm so glad that I found you know and um, I'm like one of those 10,000 piece jigsaws and I've I'm probably at about nine thousand. <laughs> I've only about a thousand more pieces to to fit together, but I think I'll always have a few dodgy missing pieces. Um, but that's that's who I am, you know. And they're ones that I can survive it out. What I mean, there's there's jigsaws that you'll have missing pieces, but yet you can still see some of the beautiful picture that's there. Yeah, I'm like I am. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm not perfect. I don't think I'll ever be perfect. I don't think anyone's ever perfect on this planet. We always have a niggle and something here or there or everywhere, you know. Um, but I'm amazing. I'm I'm feeling full of life, which is all I could hope for. And actually, you just said that word hope again because um, that's what I was just going to say to you that that's a word I see you use so much as one of my favorite words, hope. I just I just feel like there is hope I and it's I've felt in, in my gut and in my mind and in my heart I'm like I just don't think it's my time and it's funny because everyone who meets me is like I, this is going to sound crazy Lindsay but I just don't feel like it's your time and I'm like well that's gas because that's exactly how I feel and I'm like if if other people believe that without me even saying it to them and that's their thought like then there is 
hope, you know? And so that's what I'm I'm going with. I'm going with my hope. I'm going with my gratitude. Um and yeah, that's that's just all I can do. So the last question, I forgot to mention this to you, but the last question I ask everybody is if you close your eyes and take four deep breaths and think of your happy place, where would that be and why? It can be anything or anywhere. It's just been in this house with my girls watching movies, just living life, doing normal things, having dinner, watching them play the PlayStation, watching them play the Nintendo Switch, getting them up in the mornings. Like, it's just being with the girls in this house and living life. Like, that's, that's it. And, and like, I, I have that. And it's just to continue having it. You know, there, I have what I want and I'm so fortunate there's nothing that I that I could wish for you know I I have it so uh, just the last thing I just want to say that I, I I saw some interview where you said I don't the exact wording but it was something like when you were young that you wanted to make a change in the world and I don't know if you remember that but yeah, I just want I you to know that was the first interview I think it is what is your why um, yeah and Which is a it lovely interview. One of my most emotional and one of the ones that I've loved the most that I've looked back on because I mean, that was like before I knew Mexico, before I knew the four courts and like everything. And yeah, I've always wanted to help people, and it's just so amazing that people are telling me that I am helping them even though I'm like, I don't know how, like me just saying all my stuff is helping, but it's just amazing. And I'm so grateful that it, it is helping without me even realizing how I'm doing it. Um, and I feel so blessed. Um, it's, it's amazing. That's, I'd love to continue helping. That's, I'd really love to get the women's circle going and cancer circle going um of just real people talking about you know the life and the stuff and it doesn't even like for the likes of the cancer circle it's not even necessary to sit there and talk about cancer you know it's like that to talk about hope and to talk about little things that can make life easier thank you so much you're, you're an inspiration because i'm a real believer in that about about uh outlook in life half full or half empty you know and it you know a really for every situation you know so well done thank you so much i really appreciate it just as you're saying about the um glass half full glass half empty what i love is um that fella charlie who has that book and it's like the the horse the mole the boy and i think the fox and it says about, you know, the glass half full or the glass half empty. And it turns around and he says, I think I'm just happy I have a glass. That is probably one of my favourite things that he has in that book. And I'm like, that is just so amazing. Because, like, I would always be like, oh, I'm a glass half full person. But now I'm just like, 
yeah do you know what whether it's empty or full isn't it great to actually just have a glass you know that you have something to fill and you have something to empty exactly i hope you enjoyed our guest this week i would ask that you please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that a new episode will appear in your library every week i would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review so that others discover this podcast six seconds is a global nonprofit dedicated to growing emotional intelligence worldwide. Our work involves supporting individuals, teams and organisations to develop and practice emotional intelligence to help increase personal and organisational effectiveness. For more information on emotional intelligence and how Six Seconds Europe can help you, please go to sixseconds.org eu. Take care and see you next week. You are listening to Moments of Clarity, Journeys with EQ by Six Seconds Europe.